Good morning and happy Saturday, you guys. It is Amanda and Barron with Kicking Cancer Cares. We are finally actually feeling the effects of fall, which is really nice. Uh, before we get started, I want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor of this segment, which is Odmo's Pizza. You can't go wrong with pizza because pizza is just pizza. Yeah, and you've had the cauliflower crust on too. I have, and it's actually amazing. It really is good. All right. And before we get too far into this, because I have been bad about this in the past, we have a guest in studio with us today. We do. Hi. Hello. <laughs> so this is a, a, a becoming a really good friend of mine. Thank you. Um, her name is Mickey, and we'll get more into her story and how we met, but I want to make sure that before we get too far into the show that I tell everybody you're here. Awesome. Thank you. Glad to be here. So you want to do a real quick recap on last week? Yes, let's do it. So la- this, by the way, this is our 28th show together. Wow. That's right? pretty cool. That's seven months we've been doing this show. That's exciting. So my question for you is, is there one story over the last seven months that's your favorite? I think the one that touched me the most um, was probably... Michael's dad story. That did hit you pretty hard. It did. That was that. That got me pretty, pretty hard. You know, I, I'm going to venture to guess and tell me if I'm wrong. I think the reason that one hit you harder is because it wasn't a survivor's story. Correct. It was the parent. Mm-hmm. And you have been the parent. I have of a kid who went through some pretty tough times. I have. So, so. I think that one it was pretty relatable. So that's maybe that you're you're probably right there. Yeah. Well, our story last week was Lisa Walker, and her, her story isn't some phenomenal breast cancer survivor story, but what I think is amazing about Lisa's story is what it inspired her to do. So 22 years ago, she gets diagnosed with breast cancer and beats it. But then she decides, as the owner of the baseball team, to create Cancer Awareness Night, which then became Cancer Awareness Weekend. And she was actually recognized nationally by the Major League Baseball for what she created here in the Salem area. That's super cool. And I realized as I looked back in through our episodes, because of what Lisa did, her efforts brought you and I nine stories. Yes, it did. So Ozzy threw out the first pitch. Okay. At three years old. I love that. <laughs> I love that. And, and by the way, Ozzy is in Seattle. He is in that clinical trial, and he is doing great. So it's work. It's, it's, it's so far, it's successful. Yeah, and just real quick recap on Ozzy. He was diagnosed in March, and given the type of cancer he has, he had eight to ten months to live statistically. Mm-hmm. Well, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. We're in the seventh month oh, wow. since he was diagnosed. Okay. And it appears the clinical trial is working. That's amazing. Which means he will be part of that 1% that beat that brain cancer. I, I'm, we're praying for you, Ozzy. You got this. Yeah. So Ozzy threw the first pitch out. Michael, who you've met at the Polar Plunge, he threw the first yes. pitch out. Rachel, Rhonda, Nolan, and our friend here at the station, Terry... All stories we've told on the show, all through the first pitch out, thanks to Lisa. That's so cool. And Bill sang the national anthem, and so did Christy, which is a story of a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And Victoria, who was a guest inside here, she was the one who actually introduced me to Lisa Walker. Oh, okay. So nine of our stories are directly because of Lisa Walker's efforts. 
I love how everything connects. Yeah. I love that. It really is cool. It is. It really is cool. Speaking of everything connecting, I want to tell you an interesting story about how I met Mickey. Okay. (laughs) So I joined a group, a networking group called Mm BNI. And it's just, it's a business networking group. But I got a referral to meet a lady named Terry Brewer. Mm Mm-hmm. Terry lives in Gresham. We agreed to meet in Oregon City. And I remember when I sat down with her, she was really hesitant to meet with me because her husband had passed from brain cancer. Right. And she thought that I was going to be another one of those raise money for research kind of. Right. And she realized that what Kicking Cancer is doing is not like what everybody else is doing. Right. Right. So she says, you have got to come up to Vancouver, Washington to see this water store we have up in Washington. Cool, I agreed to come to Vancouver. I'm sitting in this little office cubicle talking to Terry, and this lady walks past, as I said, the word cancer, and stops and pops her head in, like, okay, what do you got to talk about? And that was Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> so you're nosy. So everything, <laughs> yeah. I did say I get around. Like, hey, what's going on? And everything connects because we were looking for, one, a way to get our message further away from Salem and how to get out of Oregon. Right. But the further we get away from Salem, the harder it is for me to coordinate all those things. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So... Meet Mickey, hear what she's got going on. And I think it was actually the day that I was there. We began talking about this idea. And we've done one of our clinics in her water store. And she was one of the speakers. And you can go to kicking-cans.org and actually see Mickey's phenomenal presentation. Okay. So everything connects for a reason. I love it. I love it. And then I went to Mickey and I said, well, every summer we do a newsletter Mm -hmm. where we honor survivors. And so then Mickey told her story in our survivor issue. Uh, And August is one of those months that for whatever reason, there isn't a cancer dedicated to August. Really? Everybody's on vacation. I guess. Even cancer. Even cancer's on vacation in August. (laughs) That's interesting. It doesn't have a... I know. I've done a lot of research. I can't find anything in August. Mm -hmm. You ought to make something. I did. Oh, of course I you did. did. <laughs> August is dedicated to what I call kicking cancer warriors who okay. fight the fight like Brenda fought the fight. Oh, I love it. So this month, or this year, I mean this year, we honored Mickey in August because when you hear her story, she fought the fight like Brenda fights the fight. Okay. So I just made up my own thing. Uh, good for you. Uh, uh, yeah, That's good for you. Way to be an achiever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, every month has a cancer in August, so I'm just going to make that kick a cancer's month. Yep. There <laughs> right. you go. They left it. Done and done. Yeah. This one must be mine. So yeah. what I want to bring for you for some shocking information. This my is, favorite. This, this, yeah, this is your mm-hmm. favorite part. This is the last Saturday in October. And we've talked a lot about breast cancer stories because October has a lot of breast cancer awareness. Right. There are other female cancers besides breast cancer. Yes. Not as talked about. And so what I'm going to bring you some stuff about uh, uterine and cervical cancer. Okay. And Mickey and I talked a little bit yesterday. And, you know, it's kind of funny over the last 20 years, we're a lot more comfortable with the word breast and tatas and <laughs> you know all of we've got all kinds of fun words for breast cancer mm-hmm. but if you go a little farther south on the female body we don't talk about that region quite as much right right and so this may be an uncomfortable those, topic those for are me. the naughty bits we have <laughs> to speak of them <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to get a little bit into some of the that region's 
Okay. Cancers. Let's do it. And I'm going to hope that you ladies keep me from saying something that I stick my foot oh, in my mouth. You're turning red already. Am I <laughs> red? I do this. It's a good thing that this is radio, <laughs> not television. Um, so, again, I'm, I'm going back to my book before I get redder and Mickey makes me like, redder. Let it be known for the record. Baron's <laughs> red. Let it be known for the On radio, Baron's red. Well, um, so, okay, a new topic. <laughs> um, so, I'm going back to my book from 1993. Okay. The Cancer Prevention Diet Book. Uh, and so inside of this book, it actually has an entire chapter on the female reproductive cancers. Okay. Ovarian, uterine, cervical, and vaginal cancers. Okay. Specifically on ovarian cancer, in 1993, it was going to claim 13,000 lives. Wow. And and make it ahead with this, it's, it's rarely detected early and kills most patients in less than one year. Wow. So it's very aggressive. It's a little staggering. So she and I had a conversation, and I want your input here, because I'll turn red again. <laughs> so why do you believe that ovarian cancer is rarely detected early and kills in less than one year? What are well, your thoughts? Because there's on? no symptoms. Like, how do you know you have it? Unless you're looking for it, you don't know it's there. And who wants to, you know... Take a ride in the stirrups to see if it's there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I like how you said that. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in the stirrups when I had cancer. <laughs> so, and, and it's I guess it's kind of like men don't want to check for testicular cancer. True. Right. Right. Those are the kind of the regions that you don't. Want. So in this case, it's it's rarely detected early, and by the time you find out, you're advanced enough that it typically kills within one year. Yeah. Wow. So the second one talked about here is uterine cancer. Again, we're in that same general region. Mm-hmm. Um, so it com- at, in 1993, it comprised 4% of all the cancers in the United States and accounted for 45,500 new cases. Wow. Um, and it took 10,000 lives that year. Jeez. But more so a fourth. St- yeah. Yeah. So a fourth of the Cervical ones that cancer. got diagnosed died. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See, I didn't know any of those statistics, which is probably a good thing. So I didn't have any fear. I was just like, I'm just going to get this done. Yeah. <laughs> that is good to not have that fear. Yeah. Well, and the intriguing thing is I was going through this book with, with Mickey is this book was written in 93, which is 30 years ago, but that's about when you were I diagnosed. 96, yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So right in that yeah. time. So she's going through this at this book was being written. Wow. Right? The other thing I thought was intriguing, it says, in some parts of the United States... Um, uterine cancer is growing at a rate of 10% every single year. That's a really high so amount. So at what point, I mean, this is 30 years ago, at what point did we hit 100%? Yeah, yeah. That's just a That's question. a rapid climb. Yeah. 10% every year? Yeah. That's a lot. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. Now, the, then again, I'm just going to quote the book. This is, this, I'm not throwing opinions out here. Just the book says, This drastic rise, almost unparalleled in the history of cancer, has been associated with the use of birth control pills by women of childbearing age. Oh. Isn't that interesting? Uh, very. Mm-hmm. So many I things I like, want to say about that, but I'm not going to. I feel like birth control is so... I don't know many women that are not on birth Correct. control. Correct. And a lot of times women are on birth control not for birth control. Correct. You know, my my skin breaks out or mm-hmm. they're depressed or they're, you know, regulating hormones or whatever. 
So there's a lot of women on birth control that even can't have kids or aren't of the age to have kids. Or so yeah. that's fascinating. I remember as a, a teenager, um, birth control was pushed on my age group more for like to clear up your skin and not have zits right. to not have your mood swings right. it, it wasn't even uh, to protect you from pregnancy more as it was to control other things mm-hmm. that were hormone related yeah 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 now, what's intriguing about you're pissing when this, me off. I know now. <laughs> I took birth control for a month. I gained ten pounds. I'm like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the book brings up the fact that that the biggest reason for that is there's a the estrogen additives hmm. in this therapy is what they're associating with that rise. Right. Right. Uh, what's intriguing to me is this book was written in '93, and you were born in '88. Eighty-eight. So you're five years old when this book is written. Mm-hmm. But by the time you're a teenager, this book has now been out for 10 years. Yeah. And they're telling you to do this for other reasons than birth control. Right. And yet, 10 years prior to you being a teenager, they already had evidence that right. there was some commonality, right? That's crazy. It does feel like our, our nation is working to keep us sick. Yeah. Well, and not only that, to get rich, too. Yeah. Which, that could be a whole new episode. Oh, snap. You said that loud. <laughs> so that's two of the cancers. The third one I want to hit on is cervical cancer. And it says that in that year, 93, uh, 4,400 women were going to die from cervical cancer. And 13,500 new cases. The five-year survival, that's kind of our magic number, right? Right, right. The five-year survival rate on cervical cancer was 66%. Okay. That's, 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 that's pretty low. A, two, that means that one third of the women who got cervical cancer died. <laughs> that's a large amount. It's grim. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so those are the three female cancers. Breast cancer is talked about a lot during October. But here we are the last Saturday in October. I thought I would bring to light some of the other female cancers. Yeah, well, what's interesting is that they don't get a light sh- shined on them when breast cancer, as serious as it is, its survival rate is is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, where these, I feel like, because you get pushed to get your mammograms. Did I mm-hmm. say that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But what about stuff like this where your survival rate isn't as high and it's detected much later? Why don't we see promotion for stuff like that? For these types of cancers. So you mentioned something to me yesterday about detecting breast cancer. And there's a about couple- the mammogram? Yes. And so, why I won't get one? So share share your thoughts. <laughs> so mammograms are radiation and radiation causes cancer. So that's I'm not down for that. There's a thermogram which is done with or the thermography, which is done with heat, which is far more accurate and less toxic. Now is that the one that Brenda did? So when she told me this yesterday, she didn't know Brenda's story. But she told me that. Well, what Brenda did was a thermography machine. Yeah. Okay. And so the machine puts cold air on your body mm-hmm. so that the machine can detect the hot zones. Right. Because cancer is hotter. Mm-hmm. Way less invasive. Right? You don't have <laughs> no a pancake radiation. boob when you're done. <laughs> and anyone, and again, I'm a guy, so I haven't okay. had a mammogram. But okay. anyone who's had a mammogram, from what I'm being told, is they kind of smash everything together yeah. so they can detect it, right? Yeah. Well, can you imagine if that's how they tested prostate cancer, how many guys would sign Very up for that? Right. Oh, you yes, get a prostate cancer exam if they had to do it the same way you women You're have to have a pancake. So now, <laughs> do men not get mammograms? No. How come? 
Well, well for one, they don't thing, have anything to make a pancake out of for starters. One in three hundred men get be- get breast cancer, mm-hmm. so it's much less talked about. But to do the the pancake procedure, we don't have the <laughs> tissue that you do to do the mammogram. It's a lovely way. To okay, put it. so yeah. how, then how it's do a, they? Was that very tactful way to say that? Very tactful. Well done. <laughs> how do then? How do they scan men? They don't. Herein lies the problem. And that will be next week's story. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's a I have actually. A, I, I, I have a story of a gentleman who got breast who cancer. Who got breast cancer. Well played. And that will mm-hmm. be next week's story. Okay. But Sorry, I'm jumping the gun. No, no that's fine. a good segue, by yeah. the way. That's but they don't. Well played. Men go to, we don't get checked. Right. That's interesting because, I mean, one in 300 men is, that's a really that's a high number. number. Yeah. 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 And the, Interesting. It, you know, back to your question, in order to check it, the way that the mammogram works is you have to press the tissue together. Right. Well, we don't have the tissue like you ladies do to push together. But now that machine that you were the just talking about yeah. and that Brenda did, that would work. That would work on a guy. For both men and women. That would no work, work on every region of your body. Right. So it's not just your hoo And it's not even as half as toxic. It's, there's no toxic. That's the oh. value. There's no toxic. So, again, if you remember Brenda's story... So, then why don't they do that for everybody? That is a really good question. I wonder uh-huh. if it has anything to do with money. Interesting. Just we've we've kind of come across a common theme here in our 28 episodes. We have. Frustration. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, again, we talked about, if you remember way back when we talked about... Um, Having cryoblation, mm-hmm. right? Remind me. So that was oh, bur- uh, freeze it out. Yep. Okay. So you can cut it out. You can burn it out with radiation. You can poison it out with chemotherapy, or you can freeze it out. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work with all cancers. You can't exactly freeze it out of the blood. Right. Right. But if you catch the tumor at the right stage, it's small. You put this needle on it. You put nitrous oxide on it. It freezes the tumor. The tumor breaks apart and shatters. And but it's way less expensive. Mm-hmm. And there lies the problem. And there lies the problem. And thermography machines are way less expensive. <laughs> Where can you find those? The thermography machines? Yeah. I, I, give me some homework now. I will find <laughs> okay. one. Okay. I know a gal in Vancouver, Washington that does it, but there I'm sure go. she knows others. So. Yeah. But they're, they're far few in between. I would imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine that a lot less clinics have thermography machines. Right. Yeah. I think as part of our, as well, I know for me, because, I mean, it's kind of what I do, but would put together a network of people that do things like that so that, you know, people have options. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, one of my goals when we created our website was to utilize our website as, like, a Yellow Pages resource. Like, like I, you know, yeah. I wasn't there to go, you know, pay me X amount of dollars so you can get this information. Just... I wanted to be the megaphone for all of these little things that are out there. Yeah. And that's kind of what Mickey's saying. I know. That's what I want to do. I'm like, what? Me too. There's another one of me out there. (laughs) Create create a massive resource of these things that are out there for you. Yeah. That's the goal. Well, Mm -hmm. because you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. And that's the problem is people don't know. They don't know there's other options. They don't know that there's alternatives. I mean, there's a lot of cures for cancer. I don't think I'm supposed to say the word cure. But... um, (laughs) No, please. On our show, show, definitely say it. Doesn't the FDA own that word? Anyway, um, <laughs> there's a lot of you know remedies and things that you can do, but they are not talked about. And if you don't know, then 
having been there, done that, you sit across from the almighty white coat and you turn into a bobblehead because you're terrified. Yeah. And, you know, that suddenly have given them all the power, you're going to die. And you have, you know, and so what do you do? You do what he says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what you Without do. Without question, because you trust them. Yeah. And we've talked about different people who followed the protocols that yeah. they were told. Yeah. You know, so so here's my last one, and I, I want I want Mickey to definitely weigh in on this one because she's got some great thoughts on this. So again, in this book, it's going to give you the statistics, but then this guy does a great job of going into the cause of whatever cancer that chapter is. Okay. Right. So again, this chapter deals specifically with female sexual disorders, all of those regions that are the sexual area of the female body, uh, and he says if a woman is eating properly. Her menstrual cycle should correlate with the monthly lunar cycle or about every 28 days. And then the next three paragraphs, which is way more than I want to read here, but it goes into an eating cycle. And Mickey has some great thoughts on this. On the eating cycle, well, I, you know, people, some people have a debate on whether the moon you know, has an effect on people or has, you know, you just said lunar cycle. So I want to touch on that because the moon actually affects the waves on Earth. Well, your body is scientifically at 75% water. If you want to go woo molecularly, it's you're about your cells are about 99% water. Um, so when we talk about the moon affecting the tides, the moon totally affects the water in your body. It's pulling it. I had a friend who was an ER doc and he said that the ER rooms are whack-a-doodle on a full moon because it, yes. I've heard that too. Emotions are transmitted in your body via water. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, everything's transmitted in your body via water, which is why one of the reasons I became the water lady, it's just kind of does everything. Um, and I actually had a conversation with someone who works in 911. Uh-huh. And, of course, they have lots of data from the calls that come in. Right. And they can actually track every time there's a full moon, there is a spike in the number of calls that 911 yeah. operators get. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Because if the moon has enough power to create waves, right, which is water, if our body is that much water and mm-hmm. there's a full moon, people get a little nutty and they get more phone calls at the 911 center they get more er stuff yeah how arrogant for us to think that it wouldn't affect us right how could it not right Mm -hmm. your body is water has enough power to create waves then why does it have power to affect our bodies (laughs) right Mm -hmm. right so his whole point here is that if you're eating properly (laughs) there's a key word eating properly yeah yeah so what really shocked Mickey when we were kind of laying out what we were going to talk about today is then I went to the section here on medical evidence. Okay. And we've done this before, right? Oh, yeah. So the last time, the furthest back I could find was 1923. Okay. If you remember, we were talking about breast cancer and something that was detected at the Belgium Cancer Institute in 1923. Okay. I'm going to take you a little further back. Okay. 1674. Oh, wow. Way, way, way back. <laughs> a long ways back. There was an English physician, and his last name was Wiseman, and he was associated with cancer. Wiseman. <laughs> Sorry, I love it. How, <laughs> yeah. how, how fortuitous. Odd. How fortuitous. <clears throat> he associated cancer with the effects of, quote, faulty nutrition on the blood and sexual organs. Okay. So that was his theory in eight. I'm sorry, in 1674. The gentleman who quoted him was Frederick Hoffman, 
who was the guy that we talked about that from the Prudential Life that went back to Belgium. Okay. So Frederick Hoffman is the source of this information from the guy in 6074. Mm-hmm. And the entire article is called Cancer and Diet. Okay. So now we'll jump forward a little farther forward. In 1896, a guy named Robert Bell, who was a doctor, he had an MD, he was a senior staff member of the Glasgow Scotland Hospital for Women. He adopted a nutritional approach to tumors of the uterus and breast for 20 years as a cancer surgeon. So his entire approach in the late 1800s for women diagnosed with those cancers was their diet. Which is uh, everything we touch on. Fascinating. Right. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. So fairly fairly accredited uh, place, the Glasgow Hospital mm-hmm. in Scotland, and he adopted a nutritional program for 20 years he used that program to deal with cancer of women in Scotland. And if somebody's doing something for 20 years and he, it's got to be somewhat successful in showing, you know what I mean? He's got right. some proof of concept. Right. Yeah. Otherwise he wouldn't continue for 20 years. So yeah. maybe we can dig a little mm-hmm. bit deeper into some of the stuff that he was talking about after the after the break. Absolutely. So we are going to send it to a commercial break here really quick, you guys, and then we will be back. Uh, shout out to our sponsor, Oddmo's Pizza. Thank you for sponsoring our show. Make sure you guys go and show him some love. We'll be right back.